This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03. You made it to Friday afternoon, December 2nd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. A unique annual Christmas shopping experience underway in downtown Chicago. We'll learn about that in our next segment. But right now, the government jobs report for November is today's headliner. Let's unpack the data with the help of Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at Wells Fargo and Investment Institute based in St. Louis. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Payrolls increased 263,000 for the month of November. The unemployment rate, 3.7%. Average hourly earnings jumping six-tenths of a percent in the month of November and a 5.1% wage increase over the year before. If you weren't thinking about the fight against inflation and how this affects interest rates, this jobs report would be pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> yes, hi Rob. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, it was just one of those cases where bad news or good news turns out to be bad news. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, the the let's put some context around this. The job gains did beat expectations this morning, but if you look at the three month average going back to September, you see a slowing, and it's going to continue to slow. We're also seeing hours slow. We're also going to see wages slow, uh, still stay positive, but slow in their growth by even more and wages continue to be outpaced by inflation. So consumers are losing buying power when they go to the store. All of this is consistent with other data we saw this week, particularly from GDP that shows that the, uh, that the spending by domestic consumers is slowing. It's already back down to where it was pre pandemic. We think it slows further from here. So markets have to process, not just a more aggressive fed, but an economy that's going to be slowing further. That's why we are still cautious on the markets at this point. Now, this is what the Fed wanted. They wanted things to slow down. Um, Where does this end, though? Does this end with a recession and layoffs and job losses or just merely a slowdown in hiring? Yeah, that's a good question. And we would stay focused on the trend here, which is a slower economy. Uh, the, the Fed chairman said something that made me scratch my head this morning about the, well, you know, we want wages to grow, but we need a slower economy. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. Uh, we think that the Fed has to slow the economy more to get inflation down. And really, a recession is pretty much unavoidable, we think, at this point. So investors need to be a little bit patient here. But we get this through into this recession, through the recession, the Fed begins to cut rates later in 23, and we think the market's higher by the end of next year. Does that mean the next uh, the next uh, uh, reading on inflation, both uh, the CPI and the PPI, are uh, very important in determining the trend? Yes, yeah, still very important. Uh, you know, the, the talk is of inflation peaking. If, if inflation misses to the upside, let's say it's a couple of ticks higher, that's going to be bad for the market that particular day. But we think the trend is, is definitely lower. The question is, how long does the Fed need to keep the foot on the brake 
to get that inflation down faster. And at this point, it does look like it's going to be at least into the spring before we start to hear any talk of rate cuts. And then very quickly, let's take a look at some of the uh, sectors that saw gains and losses. Leisure and hospitality, the big uh, gainer, 88,000 positions, but uh, retail actually shedding some jobs. What does that say about the economy? Yeah, that tells us that, uh, you know, like, like when I go to the store, I'll tell you some anecdotal evidence that I think will help un- understand it. The, when I go to the big stores, I see people in the grocery sections of those big stores I don't see people buying homewares and and clothing. I see people going to buy the cheapest groceries that they can find, and they don't have any money left. They've already used up their credit cards. They don't have any money left uh, to buy a lot of expensive Christmas presents. A lot of shopping that went on last Friday, by the way, was on pay later, buy now, pay later uh, program. So uh, the the consumer is really feeling the pinch, and that explains why I think uh, the the retail stores are going to be suffering here. Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, a holiday shopping experience that's billed as one of a kind. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The one-of-a-kind show is now underway at the Merchandise Mart. Let's learn more about the holiday shopping experience from Lisa Simonian, spokesperson for the one-of-a-kind show in Chicago. It started yesterday and runs through the weekend at the Merchandise Mart. Lisa, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Tell us a little bit about this particular sale. How much room does it take up in the Merchandise Mart, and how long has it been going? on? Sure. So we launched the one-of-a-kind holiday show in 2001. This is our 21st edition. We uh, had a lapse year in 2020, like a lot of people did. Um, so it's our, our 21st edition. And it is a holiday shopping mecca um, with handmade work and items from more than 500 artists and makers from around the can- around the country um, as well as Canada. Um, and these artists and makers have set up shop across the entire seventh floor of the mart. Uh, so that's about 200,000 square feet. Uh, we have 10 aisles of uh, of shopping and it's extraordinary. It's, you know, it's the best place in Chicago to find unique and meaningful gifts for everyone on your holiday list. We have everything from uh, 2D art and sculpture to jewelry and apparel to home goods to gourmet uh, food items, pet products, everything, you name it. I used to work in the Merchandise Mart, and that is truly one of the most impressive buildings in Chicago, if not the entire country. And I think it still is, uh, if not the largest commercial building in the world, uh, it is on the top 10 list. It is a truly amazing building, and it's uh, really fun to walk around, especially at the holiday season, just inside that old classic architecture and very easy to get to uh, when you uh, arrive uh, either via the CTA or uh, just walk in uh, from the Chicago. River, uh, very easy right. to get to. And, right. you know, and how- our holiday, 
our holiday decorations are up too. So um, the first floor of the building, you know, you have to, you have to come in through the lobby um, is, is really, you know, something special um, to take in during the holidays. Our tree is gorgeous and you're, you're right. It's an experience just being in the building here. How has though this, the shopping experience changed in the past 20 years? Because it used to be a merchandise mart. It was a place where a lot of uh, of businesses and 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 furniture makers and and mm-hmm. other companies could show off their wares uh, yeah. for the rest of the industry. And now the building is more of a tech space. And how has the clientele changed over the years? Yeah. Well, um, I, that's not quite right. You know, we still are a showroom building, um, and we're also a, an office building. So, so we're a bit of both. Um, six floors of our building are uh, are uh, design showrooms, um, and then the remaining are um, our office tenants. So, um, so it's you know, it's a it's an interesting ecosystem. Um, here at the Mart. Um, you know, we, we still are very uh, much um, design focused um, and have grown, you know, certainly in terms of office space um, and tech companies. Um, but it's, it's a mix and, it, and it's, a, it's a wonderful mix. And then uh, what, what, you know, how have uh, things been uh, going since people returned to the office? I mean, is, this, is the foot traffic starting to pick up once again? Yeah, yeah, it really has picked up a lot um, since this fall. Um, we're we're seeing um, you know a, a, a lot more um, uh, traffic throughout the the halls of the building, and you know we host a lot of events here um, throughout the year. So you know the Mart is always um, there's always a lot of energy um, here in the building. Well, Lisa, my old stomping grounds, the uh, Studios of the Loop, uh, long gone. That's a restaurant now. So I guess uh, if, you, if you go to the landing. I wasn't even aware of that. <laughs> if, if you go to the landing, maybe you could hear, uh, if, if you listen very closely, you could hear Foreigner uh, on, on the breeze somewhere. But Lisa Simonian, spokesperson <laughs> for the one-of-a-kind show in Chicago, December 1st through the 4th at the Merchandise Mart. Thanks for joining us, and thanks that little uh, walk down memory lane. Coming up next, the advancement of the U.S. U.S. soccer team fuels interest in the World Cup. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The U.S. men's soccer team takes on the Netherlands in the World Cup knockout round starting at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Let's talk about interest in the match with Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Verter Group based in Chicago. Tim, thanks for joining us today. The uh, U.S. men's soccer team moving on in the World Cup, advancing to the knockout round tomorrow is great not only for American soccer fans but I'm sure they're probably doing some uh, some some handstands in the executive suites at Fox yeah no no doubt that uh, Fox Sports is uh, enjoying uh, the uh, the benefit of the United States's participation number one uh, with some very strong and growing numbers across the three uh, group stage matches uh, but now that uh, the US is into the knockout round um, and with a huge game against the Netherlands, we'll see how it goes. Um, it's only uh, adding further uh, momentum. Um, you know, Fox uh, uh, took over uh, the U.S. Uh, English uh, language rights uh, for the last World Cup in 2018 in, in Russia. Uh, obviously, the United States did not qualify for that one. So uh, in many respects, Fox kind of took an immediate hit. But 
from a longer-term perspective, and, and don't forget that the next World Cup will be in the United States, along with Canada and Mexico, sharing in 2026. Um, so the momentum is, is very much a very long-term, shall we say, masterstroke uh, for, for Fox in that regard. And, and the United States' performance only adds to the, um, to the intrigue and, frankly, draws more people outside of, of soccer fandom into the mix, right? It's a United States Olympic-like uh, gathering moment uh, where everybody, regardless of their, uh, how much of a fan of soccer they are, can uh, relate and uh, event-wise uh, join right in and, and, and cheer on. How does this work from a dollars and cents perspective for Fox? Because unlike regular, you know, traditional sports or or other sports broadcasts where there are lots of availabilities for commercials, stoppages in play, timeouts, uh, halftime, time between quarters, time between innings, you have none of that in soccer. The game just keeps going, and then all of the time for timeouts and so on and so forth uh, gets tacked onto the end as stoppage time. So where does Fox sell the ads? No, that's a great question. And uh, to the uh, uninitiated observer, I guess it, it always is. Uh, it seems, seems to be a head scratcher as to uh, where the monetization comes from, right? If you're not able to put ads, if you will, in the midst of broadcasts. And I, I don't want to <laughs> scare people from the 1970s Chicago Sting days, but uh, yeah, you could interrupt broadcasts and put commercials and miss some action, right? That doesn't happen nowadays, luckily. Uh, but there is plenty of monetization to be had uh, in the pre and post game. Uh, especially World Cup, where analysis uh, as, as well as halftime is really important and crucial, especially to uh, the occasional viewer, the non-soccer fan. Um, and don't forget, you know, there's plenty of interstitial ad units, if you will, whether they be logos or signage. Um, uh, you know, over time in the professional leagues, you'll see those uh, uh, jerseys, all that kind of stuff. But there's plenty of um, exposure. And uh, and add units, if you will, that are that Fox is uh, is benefiting from, as well as Telemundo, of course, on the uh, Spanish language side. And then very quickly, U.S. Netherlands TV ratings. Uh, the the U.S. Uh, England game last weekend delivered college football style numbers, and now with college football kind of rolling off before bowl season, what kind of numbers could we see out of the match tomorrow? I think you may see, because it's widely available on Fox, the broadcast network, as well as being on a Saturday morning leading up to some championship college football games, obviously Fox uh, being a big provider of those, I think you're going to see a gargantuan number and potentially the largest audience ever to see a U.S. uh, soccer match on American television. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group based in Chicago. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden signs a bill that will prevent a nationwide rail strike. The federal government is investigating why a hotline for mental health emergencies went down this week. In Entrepreneur Friday, we speak with the owner of an independent pharmacy that's a popular destination on Chicago's north side. The Tesla semi truck making its debut. Following several years of development, WBBM business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 121 points. The NASDAQ is down 96. The S&P 500 is down 25. 45 degrees right now in Chicago under partly sunny skies going up to 51 today. Periods of clouds and sunshine could see some uh, showers, too, along the way. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. A rail labor bill is now law, now that it has President Biden's signature on it. CBS News White House correspondent Stephen Portnoy with the latest. As he signed the bill imposing a contract on objecting rail unions, the president acknowledged its lack of paid sick leave. But that fight isn't over. I didn't commit we were going to stop just because of, we couldn't get it in this bill that we were going to stop fighting for it. Mr. Biden said the decision to force the agreement reached by union leaders on the objecting rank and file wasn't easy. But he said a rail strike would have been devastating for the country. And he noted the workers are in for a 24 percent pay increase over the five-year contract. Stephen Portnoy, CBS News, Washington. An investigation is underway after a national hotline for mental health emergencies went offline this week. The 988 hotline set up to provide immediate help for people who are suicidal or experiencing a mental health crisis takes in about eight thousand calls a day. But Thursday, it was out of service. The Department of Health and Human Services says it worked quickly to try to provide help via text, chats, and alternative phone numbers to those who might need the 988 service, including veterans. And it says the outage is unacceptable. It's looking for answers from Entrato, a Nebraska-based telecommunications firm that manages the hotline access. Jackie Quinn, Washington. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are in the red today. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager with MacroTides.com based in San Diego. Jim, thanks for joining us today. We spoke a little bit this morning about uh, the the Fed hawks will definitely be out uh, in response, not only the number of jobs generated in this jobs report, but the wage growth along with it. Does everything flow from the employment numbers? I think uh, significantly it does. Uh, Chair Powell on Wednesday and previously, uh, Rob, has focused on the tightness in the labor market and the implications for wage growth that then sustains inflation. So uh, irrespective of a dove or hawk, because in recent months, both doves and hawks on the FOMC have been kind of singing the same tune, I think it it just reaffirms. The Fed's going to raise rates some more, but more importantly, at some point in time and probably in the early next year, they're going to reach a level and then hold it at that level throughout uh, next year, 2023. And as they do that, Rob, the additional tightening of catch-up from all the prior increases, we'll see that policy is tightening even more, even though the Fed is holding the funds rate steady. And that really is the point I think many market participants are missing, because that ultimately leads, in my mind, uh, to a recession uh, sometime around the mid, uh, you know, 2023. 
Now, there were periods of time, you know, several decades ago in which there were uh, months or even years of uh, interest rates on a sustained level being around 5%, uh, the late 90s, for example. And you still had sustained job growth that continued until the dot-com bubble burst. Uh, is, that something, is, is that possible or is that something the Fed actually wants? Well, again, I think you have to look at the where rates were, as you noted, in the 90s. Relative to inflation back then, we had real rates of two and three hundred percent. In other words, rates were two to three percentage points above the going inflation rate. Well, the going inflation rate is between six and seven point seven, depending on which measure you want to look at. So even with the increases that the Fed has engineered so far, Rob, real Fed funds rate is still negative by about two percent. So again, what that implies is the Fed needs to nudge it higher. But I think what they're trying to do is, uh, you know, you're going downhill, you don't jam on the brakes, you press it slowly, so you decelerate more slowly. And I think that's what the Fed intends to do, get the funds rate up close to 5%, not raise it much beyond that, but more importantly, hold it there so that all the tightening and rate increases to date, you know, eventually just grinds the economy into a slower growth path. And I think uh, the odds of a recession are really high. And then uh, the next uh, the next data point to look out for, uh, CPI and PPI, uh, probably next week or the week after that. Yep. And uh, if, if you're a Fed watcher or just someone who wants to see the trajectory of inflation, what are you looking for? Well, uh, again, if you <laughs> the rate of change. So basically what happens every month, Rob, is you subtract the, the inflation from December of last year and the first three months of this year in the next four months, and then you replace it to whatever the inflation is in the current month. So my, my point has been is over the next, from uh, you know, October through March, uh, the CPI takeaway values is four and three quarters percent. So we're going to see inflation come down. The key thing that Powell has been trying to get markets to pay attention to is, yeah, inflation is coming down, but until we get the labor market tightness to ease, we're not going to see an ongoing decline in inflation. So it'll be easy to get inflation down under 4%. Going from 4 down to 2 is where the rubber meets the road. And that's, that's why, if you look at history, it has required a recession to meaningfully bring inflation down. And I think the odds favor that. And it's something certainly the equity market is going to have to contend with in the first half of next year. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager with MacroTides.com based in San Diego. Coming up next, an Entrepreneur Friday, a local apothecary with roots that go all the way back to 1875. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and this afternoon we're spotlighting a business that has very deep roots in Chicago. We welcome in Anthony Kaim, president and co-owner of MERS Apothecary and Smallflower.com on Lincoln Avenue in Chicago's Lincoln Square neighborhood. Anthony, thanks for joining us today. Uh, the roots of MERS Apothecary are not only deep, they're subterranean in Chicago. Yeah, that's true. Thanks for having me, Rob. Yeah, um, my dad uh, came to this country in, well, uh, he, he bought the business in 1973 from the MERS family. It had been in their family for three generations. Uh, and then I took it over about 22 years ago. So I always say I'm the fifth generation owner in the second family to own it here in Chicago. 
And Lincoln Square, for those of you who don't know or those of you who have not been there, used to be a very German neighborhood in the city. Uh, the Bra House, the late legendary German restaurant, was just a couple of doors down from you on Lincoln Avenue. Donk House, the uh, center of German uh, culture in Lincoln Square, is just a couple of blocks over on Western Avenue. So it used to be a very German neighborhood. That heritage, that lineage is still there. But uh, the neighborhood has grown and evolved around the business uh, even after your dad bought it 50 years ago yeah i mean for us i think it was in a really great way and for the neighborhood in general like you said it still does have that heritage and part of the charm of this neighborhood uh, i'm looking out at it right now from my window of my office it's it, it still has that kind of european village uh feel and you know we bring in a lot of people from around the country to see our business and vendors customers and the, the character of the neighborhood is one of the things that they often remark upon, that they've never been to a place in a city that feels quite like this. So we think it's still just, uh, you know, that, that, those herit that heritage is there, the roots are there, and it just makes it a really exciting place to be even today. What is the difference between an apothecary and a pharmacy? Well, technically, there's no difference because an apothecary is an old-fashioned word for a pharmacist or a pharmacy. But in our, con you know, in our concept, we feel like it's really about moving away from filling prescriptions and pill counting and having the pharmacist there, which we do. We are a licensed pharmacy, but having uh, the pharmacist there as a guide and an authority to be able to speak to people about what you can do to make yourself feel better, look better, uh, just have a better life uh, in, in the context of what, you, what else you might be doing for your health. You know, you can't really get that in a, a health food store or something like that. Now, were there other locations outside of Lincoln Square? Because I may be misremembering this, but I seem to recall there was a MERS location in the Palmer House. Yeah, there was. That was my proud. That was my baby uh, and something that I was very proud of. But uh, we our contract came up during the pandemic, and I think that was a really rough time to be down in the loop. Uh, so... We uh, sadly pulled out of that location just because we were paying rent on a place that wasn't open and couldn't be open because the whole hotel was shut down for a long time. So, uh, you know, it's um, you evolve with the times. And thankfully, that wasn't something that was, a you know, put us in a position that somehow was crushing to us. So, uh, but and, yeah, we're still here in Lincoln Square. And part of that evolution also includes smallflower.com. So tell us about that. Yeah, so, you know, about I got a, my start on the web uh, in the 90s as I came out of college, and I kept telling my dad someone should, I could see the e-commerce change coming, it was very early, but I kept saying, hey, someone should build a, an e-commerce version of the apothecary, and he kept saying, you should do it. And so one day I kind of quit my job in publishing in New York and said, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to do this with you. And that's how we got working together, and that was 25 years ago at this point. So we were one of the first businesses, small businesses in the country to have an e-commerce site. And I think that's really taken off and become a majority of our business. So I think of the store here in Lincoln Square has always been the heart of what we do. Uh, but, you know, e-commerce has allowed us to reach people all across the country and across the globe. So um, it's really exciting for us. 
Anthony Cayum, president and co-owner of Murr's Apothecary and Smallflower.com in Chicago's Lincoln Square neighborhood. It's been here since 1875. Thanks for joining us this afternoon on Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, Tesla delivers its first electric semi-trucks. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Tesla has made the first deliveries of its semi-trucks to customers five years after the vehicle was first unveiled. Let's get the details from Jeff Gilbert, CBS Automotive reporter based in Detroit. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Tell us all about the Tesla truck. Um, how does it compare to a regular big rig? Well, you know, I wish I could tell you all about the Tesla truck, but Tesla has only shown pictures of it, and they haven't really given out a lot of details. It obviously is going to be run by battery. Tesla claims there are going to be two versions, one with a battery that will take you 300 miles, another one that'll take you 500 miles. But questions that need to be answered are, how big is that battery? How much space is it going to take up in the truck? And will Tesla be increasing the price from what they announced about five years ago? Because they've increased the price of just about everything else. So there are a lot of questions here. And then conceptually speaking, on the one hand, uh, this is probably a boon to the trucking companies because you said the, the price of gas is high, the price of diesel is even higher. So this could potentially take a big area of expense out of their bottom line. But at the same time, uh, battery storage is considerable, and that does mean less cargo carrying capacity. Yeah, we'll take that one at a time. First, that's one of the selling points for electric vehicles is lower total cost of ownership. And you're right, diesel has gone through the roof. Electricity costs a lot less than that. But the concern is to move that much of a vehicle, you need a huge battery. You have to add even more battery because you're moving the heavy battery as well. So how much cargo space is taken out? Toyota, on the other hand, has a different vision for electric semi-trucks. They're building trucks that have fuel cells that combine hydrogen and oxygen on board to create electricity. That's still too expensive for passenger cars. I mean, most car makers aren't, aren't looking at that as much, but it could work perfectly for the trucking industry. So it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. How much is the auto industry, as they've jumped into the EV field with both feet, how much have they been looking at uh, uh, buses that run uh, in the business centers of of many cities because it seems like the electric bus has been around for a long time. Yeah, there certainly have been a lot of hybrid buses out there because the duty cycle of a bus supports that kind of thing, the stop-start driving, which which creates regeneration in cities. We've seen some autonomous buses running that are electric at this particular point, but I haven't really seen a ton of work with electric buses, you know, commuter city kind of buses at this point, but it's likely coming. Again, the issue is it takes a very big battery to move a big vehicle like that. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter based in Detroit. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.